Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Our Shelves, a podcast where writers from the legendary feminist publishing house Virago talk about their cultural worlds. We'll be diving into these writers' bookshelves, record collections and recollections to discover what inspires them. I'm Lucy Scholes, and today my guest is Liu Pin. Liu Pin is a Chinese feminist activist focusing on strategic advocacy to combat gender-based discrimination and violence. She started her work on women's rights in the late 1990s. In 2009, she founded Feminist Voices, China's largest new media platform on women's issues. Since 2012, she's been devoted to supporting the activism of young feminists across China. Today, she resides in Albany, New York, where she continues to follow the feminist movement in China closely. Welcome to Our Shelves, Lupin. It's a great pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. No problem. Thank you for joining us. So this summer, Virago published Rachel Vogelstein and Megan Stone's book, Awakening, which charts how activists and women across the globe, some of whom have been campaigning for years on feminist causes like yourself, have been galvanised by the snowballing Me Too movement. And you're one of the women that they interviewed for their chapter on what's been happening in China. So I was wondering if in your own words, you could tell me a little bit about your activism, um, like I say, which obviously started long before Me Too, but also explain how this more recent connected global women's movement has impacted on your work. Yeah, I started my feminist work, yes, in the 1990s, mm. after I attended uh, for the first women's First World Conference on Women, uh, which was held in Beijing in 1995. At that time, I was a very young journalist and was very proud to have that opportunity to 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 meet all families around the world. Although at that time, I didn't know much about what feminist movements mean to me or to China. Yeah. That's a, that was very very long time ago. Twenty years ago, I thought I know I knew all Chinese families around the world. But we we are we were a very small circle at the time. We we only have hundreds of people mm-hmm. identify identifying themselves with feminism. But now, yeah, I think hundreds of millions, thousands of hundreds of millions identify them with feminism and most of them are very young and most of them were inspired 
provide the Me Too moment. The Me Too moment is actually very, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really very important to up to the growing, uh, to the emergence of the feminist community in China. Mm. So in Awakening, you're quoted as saying that the biggest problem that you and other Chinese activists face is the fact that there's not enough freedom of expression in China. But you've also say that you've witnessed this real change, you know, the one that you're talking about now, that young Chinese women are starting to identify as feminists and they feel more confident than ever about speaking out for themselves, more aware of their power and what they can do to change society for the better. So does this give you hope for your future for their futures how do you feel about the sort of movement moving forward yes uh in in china uh, we don't enjoy uh freedom of speech freedom of protest yeah and uh, all the uh, uh, internet all the social media are uh, subject to, social medias are subject to uh, intense censorship and the surveillance um, of the uh, from the authorities Mm. Yeah, and since uh, since our current uh, president Xi Jinping took the power, and the public space of China is increased has been increasingly closed. <laughs> yeah, further than before, mm. worse than before. Uh, since it's worse than worse than before. But the, the mo- our moment, what um, what I have learned from our moment is that. Um, uh, nobody can control everything. <laughs> Even, I totally agree that uh, our government is very powerful, but it still cannot control everything. It still cannot uh, uh, close all the space we are uh, fighting for. So now women are still talking, speaking for their uh, claims for their, their needs and their rights every day, every week on social medias. And they try their best to use all the spaces they can use, utilize and create. And also, uh, you've long used what you describe as performance art to bring awareness to your cause. I would love it if you could tell me just a little bit about this and how you think, um, as you explain in Awakening, that this kind of creativity is something that the rest of the world can also learn from. Several months after... Uh, the Me Too movement uh, rose up in China. The keywords yeah. of Me Too yeah, were censored on Chinese internet. So people right. cannot use that uh, hashtag to organize, to facilitate the, 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 the feminist dis- uh, online feminist discussion. So what uh, people did is to use uh, some <laughs> Chinese word, which could, uh, 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 which pronounced, pronounced similar with me too. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, to, 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 to organize, to facilitate the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the online discussion. And they use uh, Chinese words as uh, uh, Chinese words, rice and rabbit. Yeah, rice and rabbit <laughs> in Chinese, rice and rabbit, uh, pronounced like, me too. So we use now we, in Chinese in China we always uh, uh, now uh, three uh, three day, three years uh, later we always use rice and rabbit. Oh, that's amazing. The me too moment in China. Yeah, that's what. That's so that's clever cool. as well. Thinking kind of thinking laterally about a problem and trying to get around it in a different way, right? And it's very and it's also very funny. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Very human. Yeah, that's, kind of, that's also very important. Being funny and being human is also very important. I like yeah. that you say that. That's very interesting. Yeah. And how has your own work, um, I mean, you've had to adapt, presumably, since Feminist Voices was banned in 2018. So how has that um, affected what you do? Yeah. Uh, Feminist Voices uh, was the platform mm. I created in 2009, which was the uh, first and the biggest uh, feminist platform on uh, uh, Chinese social media. Before uh, Feminist uh, Voices, uh, there was no any, uh, any platform from uh, on Chinese internet using the keyword of feminism. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of uh, that platform, and uh, I yeah. uh, I'm very grateful of all the contribution of my colleagues, my then colleagues, and our wo- volunteers. Um, in 2018, it, uh, it was uh, feminist voices was eventually banned. Yeah, by the authorities because it uh, was regarded as the uh, <laughs> manipulator. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which was actually not true. <laughs> Me too is organized um, spontaneously by millions of volunteers, not by <laughs> few organized. Yeah. But yeah, but anyway, the the authority banned our about that platform. I just, only, just only after a feminist voices was banned, I realized that how important it was to mm. our audience, to our followers. Uh, many, many followers leave uh, left messages to us to tell us that how important that those uh, we, the articles we have posted uh, were important to them. Yeah. Uh, but we have to, we have to move, we have to, we had to move on. My, I myself have never created new accounts due to the censorship, but my colleagues and my workmates in China have created a lot of other accounts to talk about feminist movements. We, We lost one platform, but we now we have many other platforms, but perhaps none of them can last for a very long time. Right, you need to keep moving it to different places. Yes, yes, but we keep creating new accounts to deal with the censorship. That's our strategy now. Well, let's start on our sort of main questions now. I'd love it if you could tell me about a book that's currently on your bedside table. I don't have many books with me right now. After I relocated from China to America, I had to leave uh, uh, almost all my book behind. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's a big part of your life, though, having to leave one's books behind, I think. Yes, I I had sold the book when I was living in Beijing, but I, <laughs> I lost almost all of them. Uh, but I do have two books. I have one a very old book, Contemporary Western Feminist Literature uh, Curtism. was very important to me when I'm when I'm just at the first when I was just at the first stop of becoming a feminist. Yeah, actually, it's a it's a collection. It was a collection of 
contemporary Western literature criticism. <laughs> Believe it or not, the 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 the, 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 the feminism uh, feminist thinking in China started from uh, uh, literature criticism. Yeah, in 1990, in 1990, the first, actually the first uh, feminist, uh, many of the first uh, feminist, uh, fe first generation uh, feminists are uh, novels <laughs> or literature critics. Yeah, and I was interested in literature. So, and I'm also, I, 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 and I was also interested in feminism, so, I read, and I have no, I had, I had no many options at that time in 1990. Okay. So I read that, I read that book, and that book is very, was very was really very interesting. I had read that book perhaps for more than ten times. <laughs> and when you read this for the first time, was this the first time that you were engaging in feminist thought? It was uh, that book was published in 1995, I think. I read that. I read, read it when I was in my 20s. And did it kind of open up a whole new world of feminism to you and a way of thinking that you weren't used to? It did. One of those very interest, interesting essays was written by a French feminist, Helena Hixey. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. That's her name. Yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah, uh, I read uh, her, her essay was uh, her, the, the title of that essay is the laugh of Medusa. Mm. I think Medusa's laugh. Yeah, um, yeah, the laugh of the Medusa. I think I remember it from my own university days. I, I was so excited reading uh, reading that uh, that article. It's in that article that article told me that I should be proud of my female attributes and my female attributes could be a resource of my creativity and could could uh, uh, could be a resource of the women's activity uh, creativity and could be a, a resource of uh, weapon to fight against uh, patriarchal culture yeah you know patriarchal the patriarchal culture always tell us that uh, uh, our female attributes are problems yeah which are too insular we are not uh, reasonable but that also to told us that we should be proud of ourselves and we empower ourselves to fight against the patriarchal culture yeah that's that's uh, that thinking truly opened a big world for me at that time. And you'd never read anything like that before? Never, never. You know, there was no, there was no class, the feminist, there, there was no class on gender uh, studies mm. in, in universities at that time. There are still that kind of class now. So it's very hard for people access to, uh, to access feminist thinking. Uh, mm. classes so you have to, you have to look for everything you can uh, carry yeah yeah and um, what's the other book that you're going to tell us about relatively new which mm. was published in 2018 yeah it was uh yeah the title is uh betraying the big brother uh the feminist awakening in china which was written by 
American feminist writer, uh, Letter Home Venture. Mm -hmm. I should say that book is about uh, the work and the experience of some cardinal Chinese feminist organizers, including me, myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the story is that uh, in 2015, five of my uh, feminist workmates were arrested in China uh, because they were planning to organize a campaign against the sexual harassment um, public uh, transportation system. Mm. Uh, one, year, one month later, um, those five friends were released with the support from the general public in China and uh, internationally. But that case was just uh, the start point of a big, larger suppression against the feminist movement in China. She was shocked by that, by the case of Chinese feminist file. And she felt that she was responsible to introduce our story introduced the story of us and the feminist movement to the world. So he uh, spent three years writing that book. And we became uh, best friends because of, her, because of her work. Presumably in your work, you're always kind of getting in touch with or being put in touch with new um, activists working in your area like this, people writing about what you're doing, um, and your sort of network must be building all the time. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's very sure. I, I, I'm happy to. I'm happy. I'm very happy that the English-speaking world can know more about the what what have happened and what is happening in China. Yeah. And I I, I believe I believe I personally believe that the experience of Chinese feminist movement could contribute a lot to the social uh, movement around the world. So it's important to uh, exchange and to exchange. And next up, I'm going to ask you, I think, well, you're going to tell me about a recent um, song that's made you think, and it's particularly pertinent because this is a, a song that has had a big impact in China, but also we've been reading about it um, here in the West. Yes, the song, Xiaojun. This is a the title of that song. That song. Hmm. Xiaojun. Xiaojun was... Xiaojun was, was released by a very popular Chinese singer at the end of last year. Uh, Xiaojun is a very popular name of Chinese women. Yeah. In, in that song, use the name of Xiaojun to, uh, to refer to all anonymous uh, criticism, female criticism of domestic violence. Whose name was not were not uh, are not uh, remembered by mm. the public. Yeah, and so that that uh, that song the 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 songwriter the songwriter used very sharp and intense tongue and language to uh, discuss about domestic violence in China, which yeah. is. A very severe topic here, and uh, you know, in my country, in our country, and it cites may, uh, uh, many real cases, real domestic violence cases. Mm. Yeah, uh, when, uh, for example, 
its sites uh, is uh, involved involving involving a Tibetan woman who was burned to death by her ex-wife in her home wow. last year. Mm. Another case is a Shanghainese woman uh, who was killed by her husband and her body was hidden in a, a refrigerator in their apartment for several months. Those cases might be consumed as, as news, as, as shocked news, as, just as news mm. by, the, by the public, but for women, those, these cases always make me angry and also ter uh, terrified. Of yeah. course. Yes. So, so, and that, that sound tells people, tells the public that uh, domestic violence is, the topic of domestic violence is real and uh, serious. And people should not forget uh, the, or what women are suffering. And people should not should remember the names of those victims. Yeah. Yeah. Am I right in thinking as well that um, in the song she uh, talks a lot about sort of the, the lives of ordinary Chinese women, and that itself is quite uh, sort of uh, that's radical as well. She's giving voice to the sort of women who might not get their stories told uh, about their daily lives as well. Yes. Yes. I don't. I don't know much about the, the story behind that song, uh, behind the creation of that song. But I do believe that uh, we can hear this. That can hear it because of the because of the Me Too movement. Mm. You could not. Uh, you could not imagine that. Uh, perhaps uh, three three years later, it, it's ineligible to have this kind of song created right. by. A, a so popular singer in China, yeah. Me too. Me, me too. The Me Too movement have greatly raised the awareness in uh, a feminist awareness in China, and eventually we have a popular singer to speak for us. Yes, and I also read that she, this song and the singer in particular, has been responsible for sort of introducing feminism by the means of the song to many young women in China, right? They weren't even aware of the fact that they could be feminist perhaps before they listened to this song and it's given them something to uh, sort of hold on to. Yeah, I think the, uh, the, 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 the song expressed the emotion of fear, of anger. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it, it, it makes you feel so angry. And it makes you to uh, realize that what is happening on ourselves and around ourselves, yeah, it make you uh, it make it makes you feel so angry. And anger, I think, anger is the first step of uh, <laughs> awareness of women's rights. Yeah. And anger is a first. Uh, anger is a beginning of collective organizing. So anger is always important to, to, the, to our movement. Completely. Our shells be back in just a moment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Our Shelves. I'm Lucy Scholes and I'm talking to Lupin about feminist pop songs and how Anger is absolutely integral to the Me Too movement in China in particular. Um, Next up, Lupin, I was going to ask you about a book that made you think about feminism in a new way. And you've already told me a little bit about the anthology that you read as a student. I would love to talk about a podcast. Okay. Created by a a young feminist in China. Oh, she's not... uh, <laughs> she's not young as when we met ten years ago. <laughs> oh no! Tell me about tell me about her and the podcast then. Yeah, and the the name of actually the name of that podcast is a little bit drastic. The producer used used the that this that that name drastic as the type as the name of the podcast because. Uh, anti-feminist people on Chinese internet uh, play, uh, smear us as rest, being rustic. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, okay, I like it. So, so now uh, hardcore feminists, hardcore Chinese feminists claim that we are rustic. <laughs> we are rustic <laughs> feminists. We are rustic feminists. So I like they, it. You've they, reclaimed it for yourselves. Yes, yes, we we change, we we we, we retell, <laughs> we tell, we retell the uh, narrative. Yeah, so the the title of that podcast is a little bit drastic. It covers it covers a wide range of feminist uh, uh, topics uh, that uh, young feminists in China are currently concerned about. Mm. Uh, for example, that uh, for example, how for example, uh, several months uh, several months ago, um, the gov- Chinese government uh, changed its major um, population policy, and now uh, when uh, it allows uh, family, each family has up to three children. Mm. Uh, that's the that that policy reform is very will impact women's life. A lot. Mm. Uh, we celebrate the repro- uh, the freedom of reproduction of women now. Even yeah. eventually, eventually we have we we can enjoy the uh, fully. We can enjoy the full rights to make decision how many children we could have. But the problem is that uh, now 
the society and the government expect women to have zero to have zero, three children but we don't, women can don't have any uh, don't have enough supportive resources from the family and from the society so okay. now uh, women are very worried about uh, their career and their, yeah and their life yeah of course but, yeah and some actually what uh, another thing is that some very radical young families are advocating that women should not have children hmm. <laughs> as a kind of resistance against yeah. the patriarchal culture. Yeah, I think that's we. Um, so in this very complex situation, what should we advocate for? Yeah. What uh, uh, and what strategy we should we, can, we could use to talk to the public and the pan feminist uh, community about uh, uh, the repro re reproductive act, uh, choices we have? We should. Have. Yeah, mm. that's that, so. That's one of the example that podcast uh, uh, talked about. But what happened was that after the podcast, uh, a little bit drastic, uh, released an episode on uh, reproductive rights. Mm. That podcast was banned several months ago. Oh, and, no. the police, and the police visited the producer to warn her that uh, she should not uh, comment on that policy but right after the uh, that reproducer had to stop uh, doing the uh, uh, stop her podcast one of her friends created another podcast very fast so now we have another new podcast talking about feminist topics yeah that's our I think why why do why do I say that uh, it's about uh, the future of feminist feminism? Um, it's very important that feminists never give up. Yeah. Yeah. They they keep talking about all the import most important issues of the movement and and the women and they never give up speaking for women. Do you see that a lot of the issues that women are talking about now, like you say, this uh, reproductive rights being very um, of the moment because of this new policy, have the issues that feminist activists are talking about changed a lot over the years since you started work in this area in the 1990s? I think we have changed some. We have, I, I cannot say I, we changed that. We have changed a lot mm. because you know we have a so powerful government. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but we do we have changed something after after the Me Too before the Me Too movement rise rose in China. We didn't have any clear regulation over the professors' behavior right towards their children. You know, and some people thought that the relationships between the professors and the students, it is only because of the advocacy of Me Too movement that we can have that policy. Yeah. 
Yeah. But also, am I right in thinking that the Me Too movement, although it originally started about sexual harassment, and it still is on many levels, like the example you've just given us, there's a sort of momentum that's been gathered by it that's now used to protest and campaign against sort of entire systems of gender-based inequality and discrimination uh, about sort of misogynistic culture. and, And women are talking about all sorts of issues, right? Not just sexual harassment. You, you are very right. You are very right. Actually, uh, actually, I you, you can see you can hear that too. I use, actually I use Me Too movement referring to the pan feminist movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Participated by young oh, young Chinese women. Yeah. Me Too. Actually, Me Too is not the the topic of Me Too now. is very broad. Yeah. And, yeah. and but the the, the the key feature of the Me Too moment is that the major participants, the most, the vast majority of the participants of that moment are young people, are young women. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and finally today, Lupin, the last question I'm going to ask you is, could you tell me about a woman or a person of an unrepresented gender whom you admire and I think I'm right in saying that you have chosen a fellow Chinese activist, haven't you? Yeah, she, uh, I chose Xianzi as the answer of this question. Yeah, actually Xianzi is a victim of uh, sexual har- harassment. Yeah. Xianzi uh, shared her experience of uh, being sexually harassed by a very famous TV host, Three years ago, I remember the day. I uh, yeah, three years ago in ninety in two thousand in August of two thousand eighteen. Mm. She had the story truly shocked the Chinese internet, and her case became became one of the most influential cases of the Me Too movement. She has fighting for her case in um, in court for. Yes, and she haven't say she's still waiting for the decision at the court. It's very hard to fight for her case, considering that the uh, judicial judicial system in China is not friendly to victims. Mm. And last last year, at the end of last year, when a local court in Beijing held a hearing. Uh, for her case, hundreds of people gathered outside of the court to show their support to Xianzi. And that's a very excited moment of Me Too mm-hmm. in time. And Xianzi, uh, besides fighting for her own case, Xianzi uh, has devoted lots of emotional labor to support other victims. Actually, she organized an informal circle for all the victims of uh, sexual support. She is always available to provide support for other women. And several months ago, Shen's lost her, her accountment on social media. She, she was banned. <laughs> she was also banned by the by the authorities. So, so she could not speak for her own kids anymore. But she's doesn't stop helping uh, helping others. I, as I know, as long as he, she 
heard a kiss that she could, she think she could stop, she could help. She always tries her best to come to 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 create connection with the victim, with the beaten victims at her and try her best to to help. Xianzi is very, I think Xianzi is is very brave. She never give up. No, she yeah. never give up. Now she's never this. Sometimes I I know sometimes she felt very anxious. She felt disappointed, but she never gives up. How do you? I mean, I I'm sort of. Uh... I'm kind of amazed and also very in awe of the fact that you talked to me today about how you know you've had you yourself and obviously other activists that you know you you know you do your work you then get shut down uh, you find some other way some other outlet to get your um, message out there you find some other way to get uh, to group up with other people. But how do you find the energy to keep going after being shut down and stopped all the time? What is it that, what is it that keeps you going, Lupin? People always ask that question. Yeah. Um, my feeling is that I just feel that I cannot stop. I cannot give up because I always uh, received uh, messages from the community. Right. Mm-hmm. People always told me that they, how important our work, are, our work is to them. My determination is that as long as they are doing something, I will be there with them. With them. Yeah, so. That makes perfect sense. And I suppose as something like the Me Too movement helps galvanize support across the world, that just makes you more... Does that just make you sort of keener and give you more energy to keep fighting because there's more and more women listening to your cause and doing their own bit yes in uh in january 2017 i participated in the women's march in washington dc mm. along with many other feminists i was so proud that day to say that feminist feminist movements are on the front line of the progressive moment uh, the leading uh, feminism is the leading force of the pan uh, progressive movement. So I'm proud of our movement, and I'm and I'm proud to feel to 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 feel the the connection between all the feminists around the world. I think that's a perfect place to leave our discussion today. Thank you so much, Lupin. It's been uh, really, really fascinating. Um, Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Our Shells is brought to you by the team at Virago Press. Special thanks to today's guest, Lupin. And tune in next time for more conversation about books, feminism and culture. (laughs) 